0: Again, we're talking about the Holy Ghost, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it's expedient, it's better for you, it's your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Truth, the one who has come alongside to work with you and to help you to take a hold of things of God, he can come. But if I go, I will send him. And when he has come, he will lead you, he will guide you into all truth he will take whatever victory that I've accomplished in your behalf, and he'll make it yours. He'll make it real to you. He will make you have the experience of what I've already done. Amen? Mm-hmm. Because all that the Father has is mine, and the Father has only victory. <laughs> mm-hmm. Amen? And all that I have is yours. That's why I say to you, he's going to take what's mine and give it on to you. In fact, Jesus could very well go on to say that I am your inheritance. Amen? The Bible speaks about the riches of the glory of that inheritance. He is your inheritance. And with him comes all things. Amen? Glory to God. So the Holy Spirit is here to unveil unto us our inheritance. And the various aspects of it that we need. In order to manifest the life of Christ and for the glory of God. That the name of Jesus might be glorified. Okay, so... um, First point, the first thing I want I, I need to start out by saying um, is the fact that it is the will and purpose of God that we might be filled with all the fullness of Christ. Amen. And and I'm um, that we will be filled. Um, in other words, if there is portions of Christ you can have, God wants you to have all that there is. <laughs> For you to be filled. Filled with the fullness of Christ, so consumed with Him that He takes us over, and um, and and the only to, you cannot possibly grasp this, believe this, envision this if you keep looking at, at if you compare yourself, if we compare ourselves among ourselves, or even if we look at ourselves. I don't know if there's anybody on earth walking in that, but that doesn't mean that it's not a will of God. And it doesn't mean that we aren't to pursue that. And that is, that is the standard that God has. The very standard is Christ himself. Amen? So it's the will of God that we might be filled with all the fullness of Christ. So to that end, Paul, who understood that. Paul, 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 Paul understood that. Here's a thought popping up. <laughs> In Colossians chapter 1... Uh, just before we go there, let's, let's flip over to Colossians chapter 1 for a moment. Paul understood that that is what God is after. Amen? I mean, no wonder, because for you to have gotten something like that, God had to really talk to you himself. <laughs> right? You know, I mean, you couldn't get that by talking to Peter or James or John or Thomas or any one of the apostles that even walked with Jesus, right? Who we no longer know after the flesh. Thank God for Paul who didn't get to know Jesus after the flesh, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. That would have been somewhat of a barrier and a hindrance to him. But think about it. We didn't get to know Jesus after the flesh either. Mm -hmm. So we don't have that barrier. So Mm -hmm. we must not allow religion to put that barrier in us. Amen? So Paul was caught up into the third heavens and God showed him some stuff and sent him back (laughs) and tell him, you know, to let the... um, And and, and, and uh, I'm saying that I'm hearing something else. So that's okay too. And God sent him, and I'm just going to read this in in, in Acts 26, where God sent him and and, and said, Rise, stand upon your feet. I have appeared unto you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and those things which I will appear unto thee, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm now going to send you. And I'm just reading from Acts chapter 26, verse 18 and 17. I'm I'm going to come back where I said in a minute. God says I delivered you from the people so that you could be free from them. They could be dead to you and you be dead to them and you're not affected by them. Now I'm going to send you back to them. Mm. All right. <laughs> That's very important. I deliver them, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. What for? To open up their eyes. And what else? To turn them from darkness to light. And what else? From the power of Satan unto God. And what else are you supposed to do? And that, so that they might receive their forgiveness of sins and they might receive the inheritance among them which are sanctified. And they would receive it by faith. Amen? So Paul had this assignment on him. And in Colossians chapter 1 um, it says Let's just hmm, jump to verse 23. Forgive, start, forgive me starting with the eighth, but anyway. If we continue the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope, the hope of the gospel. Now, at this point, you know what the hope of the gospel is. What is the hope of the gospel? What is the hope? What is God's dream? What's God's vision? What does God desire to accomplish through the gospel in you? Right is the is the very light of Christ coming forth. That was his vision. That was his dream. That you may not be moved away from the hope of the gospel, which the hope of the, the hope of Christ in you, <laughs> being revealed in you, which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Whereof I Paul am made a minister. To that end, I made a minister. Who now rejoice in my suffering for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake. The pressures that I have to go through, Paul says, as a minister having this kind of responsibility and carrying this message, being delivered unto death continually, being persecuted. Being delivered unto death not only to death in the sense of being of them trying to push me off a cliff or or, 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 or get me to give my, give up my last breath, but being delivered unto death daily, dying daily, being in this place where I am crucified with Christ, where that death could be working in me so that the life of Christ could work through me and produce within you that life amen yeah. so I rejoice in my sufferings for for you, and fill up what is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, for the church's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which was given to me. Remember when I was called up into heaven, God gave me certain responsibilities and call and, and so on. This dispensation of, that, is, that, is, that, is, that is far more glorious This dispensation that is not a dispensation of condemnation, but a dispensation of righteousness. This dispensation that is a dispensation of the Holy Ghost. And I'm quoting 2 Corinthians chapter 3 from about verse 5 through to verse 8. According to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. So that the word of God be fulfilled in you and what God has said about you and has called you to, might become your experience and reality. Even the very mystery which had been hid from, from, from ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to his, his saints. Even that mystery, whereby He had chosen you in Christ, before the foundation of the world, and he, and he did it according to His own pleasure. Because it gave them great pleasure to just envision your adoption. Wow! Can you imagine that before? And, and I'm quoting now from Ephesians chapter one, verse verse four and five. I mean, way 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 back, God looked at looked and God thought, mm, "I'm gonna adopt her. I'm gonna put my spirit. I'm gonna put my spirit in her, and I'm gonna adopt her into my family."
1: Hallelujah!
0: I mean, He so loved you that He adopted you. Behold what manner of love that we are called the sons of God. The world, the world don't recognize us, but they didn't recognize Jesus. But behold what manner of love, and as he is, so are we. And when he shall appear, we're going to be like him. So, um, so from the foundation of the world, this was God's plan, and it gave them great pleasure. This mystery which had been hid from ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to his saints. It is now made manifested to his consecrated set apart ones. To whom God would make known what is the riches. What is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? Whom we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom. Why? So that we might present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That we might present every man fully mature in Christ Jesus. Wow. What does that full maturity look like? Hmm? What does that full maturity look like? Ephesians chapter 4. That full maturity is the very fullness of Christ. And I didn't even finish that passage. He says, let me just add one more word there to Colossians 128. That we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Amplified. To that end I labor, striving with all the superhuman energy which he so mightily, mightily, remember the word mightily, and, he, and kindles and works within me. Paul says, I'm striving to get this job done. I am striving so that people, the believers, would not only get a hold of this mystery of Christ and then hope of glory, but that the word of God will be fulfilled in them. God's dream would be accomplished. And that every one of them will be presented perfectly mature in Christ Jesus. And the Holy Ghost, by the might of the Holy Ghost, I am working toward this with superhuman strength that is beyond the natural. Amen? Now, what, is this? what, is this? what does this perfection look like? I'm simply saying it is the fullness of Christ. It is the fullness of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, reading from verse... Um, 11, it says he gives some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting, for the maturing of the saints. For the perfecting, the fully equipping of the saints. For the work of the ministry, for the, ed- for the edifying of the body of Christ. How long is this going to go on? Till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. What does that look like? To a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. To what, to what degree of our is this to go? To the fullness of Christ. Is that what it says? Right? Amplified? That it might develop until we all attain oneness in the faith and in the comprehension of the full and accurate knowledge and there's intimacy involved there of the Son of God that we may arrive at full At really mature manhood, the completeness of personality, which is nothing less than the standard, standard height of Christ's own perfection. Man, if if that is not as he is, I don't know what is. The standard height of Christ's own perfection, the measure of the statue of the fullness of the Christ and the completeness that is found in him. So, what is this hope? What is it that God is after? What is it all about? What's the end plan? What is the end game? It is the fullness of Christ. Amen? Alright. Now, um, okay, oh, so we were going to go to Ephesians chapter 3. So then, in Ephesians chapter 3, reading from verse 15, 14, Paul says, I bow my knees, Oh man, it would be good to go over this whole chapter three. Actually, we, we, we're not going to, but go home and do it. Where Paul was saying again about the fact that he was um, ah, let's just have fun anyway. Why not? Ephesians chapter three, All right. Reading from verse one. For this cause. Oh, we, should we go back further to find out what cause? Right. <laughs> We might end up back in Genesis. <laughs> anyway, for this cause, I fall the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Oh, that's such an awesome phrase. The prisoner of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a verse in the scripture that says that we are prisoners of his love. We are a prisoner. It, it, can you imagine? And when you're a prisoner, you're locked in. You're locked in. How about being a prisoner of, his hope, of the hope? You know what I mean? This is, okay, go ahead. Tie me up. This is this is what it's all about. It's all about that hope, the fullness of Christ. I'm a prisoner of his love. I'm a prisoner of Christ. I mean, ca- ca- I mean, the prisoner doesn't say, I'm sorry, I want to go fishing. <laughs> he doesn't say that. Right? He says, We're going to Jerusalem. Pris- imprisonment awaits me there. This, hey, that's fine. I'm going to complete the suffering of Christ in my body, in, in my flesh for the body's sake. Can you see how this is Paul's heart? Amen? So that he, I mean listen to I mean for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you, <laughs> for you Gentiles, you people that were without God, tell us what Gentiles mean. If you've heard about the dispensation of the grace of God which is given to me to you, how that by revelation, by revelation, he made known unto me the mystery by revelation and there are some things you really need to get it by revelation right you can't just get it by osmosis it has it needs to be by the spirit of God you know Paul says in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 who knows the things of a man save the spirit of the man that is in him even so no man knows the things of God except the spirit of God isn't that right and we have received not the spirit of the word, but the spirit which is of God that we might walk. Know the things that are freely given to us of God. And that is talking about the Holy Ghost's ministry to us, to bring us truth, to give us revelation, to come with that unction so that we can see and we can grasp and we can get a hold of truth. Even if we've never heard it before or even if it might go crosswise with religious thinking. Even though it may go crosswise With with, with, with the the lust of the eyes. Okay. The loss of the eyes. Which is the senses and the reasoning. I mean, look, look, look. All these nations, all these. Look, you see all those kingdoms? Right? And, you know, look at all these kingdoms. You don't have to go to the cross. I can give you all of them. Think about it. Reason it. Does this make sense? Jesus overcame that in the wilderness. Amen? But you see, even that walking according to reasoning, walking according to logic, walking according, that's not God. That's not where he is. But the Spirit of God, flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Natural man receive not the things of the Spirit of God. We have received the Spirit of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. There is an anointing and an unction from the Holy Ghost in his very call and ministry to give us revelation knowledge. To cause us to see the things of the Spirit. Amen? To see what is already done, finished, accomplished, the victory, and then to cause us to not only see it, but then by his work of transformation to bring us into the experience of it. We're talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, right? All right, so, 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 how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote a few, a, 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 a four in a few words. Whereby, When you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Paul says, You hear me? You hear me talking this kind of stuff? I I mean, this didn't come from some figment of my imagination. It just didn't come from Gamaliel. But so you could understand why it is I can talk like this. Why is it I could communicate these things. These things came to me because the Spirit of God revealed it to me. It came to me by revelation. That's why I could talk to you about the Last Supper when I was not even there. And I could tell you some stuff about the Last supper, Supper that you couldn't get from Peter, James, or John. Amen? Amen? That if you partake of this and you don't do it with knowledge and with a discernment, right? You can you can be drinking damnation unto yourself. You see what I'm saying? He got that by revelation. Which in other which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise. In Christ by the gospel. Hmm. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, which which the, the, the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual, there's that word again. The effectual working of his power bestowed on me by the exercise, the working in all its effectiveness of his power. There is a power and an anointing from the Spirit of God that can so work within us, even in the ministry of that word and of that truth. Amen? Unto me, who am less than the least of all the saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. We're talking about the fullness of Christ. And to men, and to make all men see what is their fellowship, What is their participation? What is their part and share in this mystery? Which, of course, is Christ in you. This mystery which from the beginning of the world had been hidden God, but who created all things by Jesus Christ. To this intent, this mystery is to be revealed. What for? To the intent that now, unto the principalities and powers, devils and demons, fallen angels and angels alike, in heavenly places might be made known by and through the church the manifold wisdom of God. The very standard of Christ according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus which is to say in accordance to what he had already carried out and accomplished in Christ as Jesus said it was finished. Amen? In whom we have boldness we have access, access to God access to devils and demons to put them underneath our feet and even access to people and it's all going to be by the Holy Ghost. And that access to people part is what we need in so many ways. Let's continue. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. Don't, don't, don't faint because you hear these things are happening to me. Oh, Paul. Don't faint over it. Don't get weary. Don't be discouraged. Because of what you hear happening of me, because it is for your glory. Death worketh in me, but life in you. Amen. In Second Corinthians chapter one, the scripture popping up in my head, so let me throw it out there, verse nine. But we had a sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead. <laughs> Another awesome verse. You want to hear that verse again? It's not a memorized verse. It's not a, it's not a popular verse. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raises the dead. Amen? That we, this, this sentence of, of, of death in us, being crucified with him, It is to bring us to the place where there is no confidence in our own flesh. In our own ability. You see, confidence in your own flesh, since this pops up, and in your own ability, that's the pride of life. Amen? That's the pride of life. But thank God Jesus overcame that too, didn't he? In the wilderness. Not only the lust of the eyes, I'll give you all these kingdoms. Not only the lust of the flesh, when it feels like I'm hungry. Turn this stone into bread. But the pride of life. The pride of life. You know me knowing this and knowing that. I know this. I know that. And that's where my confidence is. Is in me and in my ability. mm Hmm. You see. For instance. To be clothed with humility. Is. To be clothed with Christ. But to be clothed with humility is also to give all glory to God. Do you know that? It's to give all glory to God. It is very easy for us to take the credit for ourselves. It is very easy for us to ascribe the credit to one another. You know, someone was talking, I had a conversation earlier with someone and they were talking about a a particular minister and ministry. The minister may, may be totally innocent. But in their introduction, on their television program, it is all to talk about how great they are. Right? And and they were saying they were so uncomfortable with that, and, and they really had a point. Because it's so easy for us to get into the trap to say, man, hey, have you seen the anointing that Pastor Dad is working in? And hey, that person that got healed, man, she laid her hands on them. And I'm, it, it, the, more, the focus is not even so much about the person's healing and miracle, but it's the fact that who is with my hands. Right? I receive a word from the Lord. You see what I'm saying? That's not humility. You see, again, when we have become consumed with the Spirit of God and with the Spirit of Christ, we have a singular focus on the glory of God. Amen? And, 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 and God desired, and that's what, it, that's what it says when we go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you. The verse before that was saying about being clothed with humility. Amen? It is being clothed with Christ, but part of that mind of Christ is such that you don't seek your own repetition. Is it not? Hello? Alright. Okay, where were we? Oh, back to Ephesians chapter 3. Oh, that is so good. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you be crucified, if you be dead with him, you shall also yeah. live with him. So, back to Ephesians. For this cause I bowed my knee. So, okay, back to verse 30. Wherefore, I desire that you don't faint, that you faint not at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened. There it is again, strength. This supernatural, divine, superhuman strength with might, might, might. Might is the unlimited power of God. With might by his spirit in the inner man, what for? That Christ might dwell in your hearts by faith. And that you be rooted and grounded in love. In another place it speaks of being rooted and grounded in Christ, back in Colossians. And that we may be able to comprehend with all his saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. And to know this love of God which passes all knowledge. Why? So that we might be filled With what all the fullness of God, amen. Now it connects that up, it connects up this fullness, this this fullness of God, it connects it up to to a perfection in the love of God, which is very interesting. But notice it also speaks about Christ being strengthened by the power and the working of the Holy Ghost. Say the working of the Holy Ghost. so that Christ might dwell in our hearts by faith. Whenever I read that scripture, I mean, thank God I have a little tiny bit of revelation on that now at this point. But, I mean, the Bible already tells me in Romans chapter 8 and I think verse 9, that if any man have not the spirit of Christ, what? He is? He's none of his. Right? And the person that is born again, fresh, born again, just out of the oven. Right? Okay? have the spirit of Christ do they not Mm -hmm. so what is this about Christ being formed? all this prevailing and all of this strengthening with might by the Holy Ghost that Christ might be formed Mm -hmm. in our hearts I thought he was there well there's a spirit chamber of the heart and there's a soul chamber of the heart amen and that soul chamber of the heart where there's a mind really emotions attitudes over there that's where the work of transformation of the Holy Ghost needs to take place and get Christ to be formed in there It is that chamber that is the reason why in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, Paul says, I travail again. Mm -hmm. Little children, I travail again that Christ might be what? Formed in you. Amen? Mm -hmm. Again, it's to the same end point that we might be filled with the fullness of God, the fullness of Christ. Christ himself is the standard. But now we also see the connection here to the love of God. So let's turn over to 1st epistle of John, chapter 4. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 1st epistle of John, chapter 4. Being rooted and grounded in Christ, rooted and grounded in the love of God, to the end that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Now in 1 John 4. Hmm. Well let's pick it up in verse 12. Yep, that's good too. Rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in Christ. Verse 12. No man hath seen God at any time. But if we love one another. God dwell in us. And his love is perfected in us. So, the love of God perfect, being perfected. Now, what does what, what perfect mean? What does perfect mean? Perfect. perfect. No improvement. Don't get any better. And God, Jesus said, remember Jesus said, don't call any man good but God. Right? And quite frankly, there is no one perfect but God. Isn't that right? But yet we are told, be ye perfect. Even as your heavenly father is perfect. How is that gonna be? <laughs> if God only is perfection and we are to be perfect as God is perfect, then it means that somehow God better take us over and it better become Him rather than us. Hello? <laughs> so, anyway, it's his here. There. It says as we love one another. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. So love comes to a place of maturity and, and, and part of the exercise equipment is loving one another. Mm-hmm. Amen? Yeah. That's important. Because remember Paul prayed that we would be rooted and grounded in love to the point that we would come to all filled with all of his fullness. And actually, he goes out to say that we are filled with all the fullness of God and God being able to do above and beyond what we could ever ask or think. Okay, verse, verse 13. Whereby, hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he had given us of his spirit. You have the Holy Ghost? Yes. All right, so you're in him, he's in you. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever shall, not con- shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God God dwells in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God had to us. God is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. And herein, here is that love made perfect. Here is what that perfect love looks like. This is part of what it looks like. We have boldness in the day of judgment. That's part of what it looks like. Such confidence, such freedom from insecurity. Right? Such. Um, it's it, it's it's a it's a boldness. It's a power under control. It's not an arrogance, but there is a confidence. There is a no flickering, no 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 wavering, no wandering. There's just a knowing. That's what a perfect love look like. does this sound like Jesus. Oh, what are we, we going to do? What are we going to do? Let us be dead for four days. for days. By now he smell it. No, there's no wandering and wavering about Jesus. We're all just thrown away. <laughs> Isn't that right? Can you imagine that's where God wants to bring us to? And we have known and believed the love that God had to us. God is love. No, no, no. Here is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. And I always like to think, as he is, is so are we in this world. That's how we really are in our spirit. And because that's how really we are in our spirit, and he wants Christ to be formed in us. That's how we are to be also in our flesh, so to speak. We are perfect in our spirit, but he wants to work it out. He wants Christ to be formed in you. He wants us, as he is, so am I in this world. Therefore, I am to be as he is in this world. Make sense? And herein is our love made perfect. Okay. Verse verse 18. There is, no, but this perfect love is because as he is, so are we. This perfect love is the reality in the fullness of him. There is no fear in this love, there is no insecurity, there is no being intimidated, there is no lack, there is no such thing, there is no insecurity in this love. But this perfect love drives out fear, drives out every sense of insecurity because fear had torment where there is fear. Where there's insecurity, there's an element of torment, and if there's an element of torment, love is not made perfect. He that feared is not made perfect in love. In Isaiah chapter 54, it says the same thing. If you, when you're established in right, when you're taught by the Holy Ghost, and you become established in righteousness, you become far from oppression because you shall not fear, and from torment. No torment because it's not going to even come near you, but from terror. They call it terror. Terror, torment. Terrorist, torment. Same thing. <laughs> My right, first cousins. All right. All right. Established in righteousness. Mm-hmm. Does that, isn't that interesting? Established in righteousness. Established in love. God is love. Yes. Established in righteousness. Jesus is love. Is he not? Mm-hmm. To be established in the love of God is to be established in Christ. To be filled with the love of God. And to be so established and rooted is to be filled with the fullness of God and the fullness of Christ. To be established in righteousness, Jesus is your righteousness. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30. Isn't that right? Again, what are we talking about? We're talking about that fullness. That fullness of God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That fullness of Christ. Jesus Himself is our standard. While we were there, let me just look at this. Alright. Okay, flip over there for a moment. First epistle of John, chapter. Five. First epistle of Peter, chapter 5. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God, thank you, Jesus. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourself unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Be clothed with, with Christ. And be subject who? One towards another. One towards another. Well, here, what is what does it look like? Jesus, clothed with humility. He says, learn of me. I'm meek and I'm lowly in heart. Jesus, clothed mm-hmm. with the Spirit of God. We are to be clothed with Christ. Consumed with Him. And what we see? We see Him washing the disciples' feet. Yeah. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. So, that Spirit of Christ, that mind of Christ, and... um. That mind of Christ is is one of a servant of all. I'll show you who is the greatest among you all. He that is a servant of all. And to be the servant of another and to be in that place of the mind of Christ is also the place of crucifixion. Amen? And because of that crucifixion I am able to shift in that place where you esteem each other better than you do yourself. Which is the verse of Scripture that leads up to if any man, um, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2 5. All right? All right. I say that just to point out that this very scripture here speaks about the love of God. And then it tells you, be clothed with humility, serving one another, subject to one another, because God resists the proud. The Holy Ghost resists the proud. But He gives what? Grace. Grace to the one clothed with Christ, grace to the one rooted and grounded in love. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. All right, so, ooh, that's good. (laughs) Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. All right, I I, I say all of that to create a bit of a, a mental picture, if you will, of this fullness of Christ. And actually, if we were to go into the very person of Christ and look at him in the gospel, you'd see how awesome it is. And especially if we could see him after the Spirit. It's absolutely awesome. Now, when we see that we recognize... Hmm, Okay, when we see that, we also recognize, we, we, we cannot see the magnitude and the beauty and the excellence and the glory and, and just this vision that God has. And it's not us, but it's Christ and it's his fullness taking us over and not also see that there is no way in the world that you and I could accomplish this in and of ourselves. And it leads us to the fact that this has got to be the work of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Yes. You Galatians. <laughs> Having begun in the spirit, will make you think you're become perfected any other way. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. All right. It's not by might nor by power, but it is by the Spirit of God. So it is the Spirit of God that must uh, that, that must do this work to bring this about. And that is uh, the work. I believe that is the work of transformation. I believe when it talks about um, in in, in um, James chapter one and verse. 25, where it says, blessed is the man, um, where, it, where it says, um, in James chapter 1, 25, where it says, if any man, but whosoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he looks into the law, he looks into the word, he looks into the glory of God, he sees Jesus and he recognizes that's, what he, that's who he is, that's the very essence of the life that is on the inside of him and he goes away, but he doesn't forget what he sees, but he stays with what he sees. He speaks and orders his conversation accordingly. Not but but he's, a, he's not a forgetful hearer, but he's a doer of the work. I believe that work is referring to the work of transformation that the Holy Ghost works in us and through us and produces as we cooperatively look into the word of God, see who we are, his workmanship, Etc. Etc. See who we are. See that righteousness, and don't walk away and ever forget it. But rather, let it permeate our thinking. Let it be in the forefront of our thinking. And then the Holy Spirit takes that, and then and takes the word and gets and it in us. And then He works and produces that transformation to produce and to conform us to the image of Christ. Amen. I believe that's what it's talking about. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse eighteen. The scripture you're familiar with. We beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, we are transformed and changed from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the one that has to do this work of transformation. He is the only way we can become as Jesus, that fullness of Christ. And that is why it is so necessary for us to pursue earnestly and relentlessly that relationship with him, that Friendship with him that communion with him that fellowship with him that submitting and that yielding to him amen without it the abundance of grace will not become of our experience the love of God and being perfected in that love of, will not will not will not happen amen amen so it is you know and I'm referring to second corinthians chapter 13 verse 14 made a made a what is it may they is it the love first? Only I mean, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the Father and the communion of the Holy Spirit and both that love and communion both that love and grace for them to be in their fullness is dependent it has to be by the work of the Holy Spirit because of your communication and your relationship and your cooperating with him that produces that. It is the cooperation our cooperation by looking. And not forgetting what we see. Our cooperation in various ways with the Holy Spirit is what is necessary so that the Holy Spirit could do that work of transformation and cause this fullness of Christ to come forth. For us to be changed from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. Amen? Hallelujah. I also believe, you know, as it says in Psalms in Ephesians 5 26 and 27, where it speaks about. Um, the glorious church. I know and, 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 and in chapter 5 in verse 18 it was talking about being filled with the spirit. Um, not being drunk with wine but being consumed and filled and saturated with the Holy Spirit. Being drunk with the Holy Ghost. Speaking in in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourself. And then it talks about the marriage stuff. And then it picks up in verse 26 that He might, that He the Holy Ghost, as you become so filled, so saturated by doing what He what we need to do speaking in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and meditating on the word and and pressing in in the areas of prayer and fasting and and seeking and pursuing and a number of things, just a whole cooperation. What happens? So that he might sanctify and cleanse us with the washing of the water by the word. That he would, you know, the Bible says you are, Jesus said, um, sanctify them with thy truth, thy word is truth. Sanctify them with with the truth that comes out of the sacrifice. The truth that they are crucified. The truth that they are resurrected. The truth that they are ascended to the Father's right hand. The truth that they can now stand in his presence. The truth that this is now their life, etc. Set them apart. Man, that sets you apart. Sanctify them with that truth so that he might sanctify us and cleanse us with the washing of the water by the word. Now when the, wa- wa- washing, when the washing of the water of the word that he is setting apart with is the very essence of the various aspects of the sacrifice of Christ which a couple of weeks ago we, we, we pointed out is the very embodiment of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus did this. He said it's finished. The Holy Spirit said okay fine I'll make it real to them now. Amen. And everything you've done, every victory you've accomplished on their behalf, I'm going to come and I'll reveal it unto them. I'll guide them into the truth of it. I'll show them things to come. All All that is yours is theirs, etc. So sanctify them with that truth and and cleanse them by the washing of the water in the word, What for? That he might present it to himself. The Holy Ghost is a person. Him and the Father, they are all one. So that he might present it to himself This is the Holy Ghost that is doing the work down here. So that he might present himself what? This glorious church. This glory filled church. The glory is the very excellency of God. This church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, filled with the very excellency of God. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that it should be holy and without blemish. Mm. Think about that. Is that a work of transformation or, or not? <laughs> Amen? But there is this need for cooperation. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 verse 5 that the Holy Spirit, he performs miracles. But how does he do it? By the works of the law? No, he does it by the hearing of faith. Mm-hmm. Amen? He's got to have some faith. He's have, he has to hear faith, not us, him. <laughs> Amen? Mm-hmm. He does it by the hearing of faith. He needs to hear faith. And if he doesn't hear faith, then guess what? We limit the Holy One of God. Just like they limited him in the wilderness. Because of their unbelief. Because of their ignorance. Because they lost sight of who they were. Because their way of escape is let's go back to Egypt. <laughs> right? <laughs> Think about it. We don't like it. Let's go back to Egypt. Man, that ain't no way of escape. Forget it. <laughs> and all right? And they limited the Holy One. So, But there was a need. The Bible had Jesus. said that if they had cooperated with the Holy Ghost, Psalms 81, the end of that Psalm somewhere there, if they had they, cooperated with the Holy Ghost, God says, I would have made, I would have caused their enemies to become subdued to them. And I would have fed them with the very finest of wheat. Glory to God. Amen. In another place in Isaiah chapter um, 48, he said, if they would just hearken to me, I would, teach, I, would, I would teach them to profit, and I'm telling you, I will, they will have peace, which is everything reconciled to God's original intent, like a river. And the righteousness would be like the waves of the sea. That oneness with Christ is just going to keep coming.
1: <laughs> Amen?
0: <laughs> right? What is that saying? That's saying there is a need for cooperation. Yes. Amen? Amen. Now I don't know how much time we have here, but I could we could put you in, I could do the fast track version. <laughs> All right. So the question now is how? What what are the keys to cooperate with the Holy Ghost? That's okay. I think I think we're good. I <laughs> Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. What are the keys to be, to be, to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, right, or to this communion of the Holy Spirit? Let me give you a couple of them. Number one, in fact, let me give you a hint first. Can I give you a hint? Here's a hint. Here's a hint as to how we can cooperate with the Holy Ghost. Ephesians chapter five, and actually, before Ephesians chapter five, verse 18, verse one says, imitate God, imitate Christ. Walk in love. Walk like him. Amen? 1 John 2, 6 says that, that, that if, you, if you abide in him, you ought to walk like him. So in Ephesians chapter chapter 5, it talks about that at the beginning of the chapter. And of course, this is absolutely talked about who you are in chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3. And then chapter 4 and 5 telling you how you ought to walk and so on. And so he's talking about that. And you were sometimes darkness, but now you're a light walker, chilling of light. And he says about, understand the will of the Lord, redeeming the time, etc. And then he says, don't be drunk with wine. And I like to put it this way, but be drunk with the Holy Ghost. And this, that is such a tremendous picture or metaphor or whatever. Because when you are, what if, if you are drunk with the wine of the Holy Ghost? If you are drunk, you are underneath the control of the substance. Isn't that right? You are no longer yourself. And not only that, but you sometimes need to be led about. Right? Because you can't get there by yourself. So he said, be drunk with the Holy Ghost so that he can take over your thinking. Right? You begin to speak with a speech that is not even articulate. You begin to slur. <laughs> but what I'm saying is he takes over your language. And that is so important. He takes over your language. He takes over your attitudes. I mean, you begin to laugh in some places where it doesn't seem like that's where you ought to laugh. Drunk people do that. They cry in some places where, (laughs) I mean, they just cry. You ever seen them? They just cry. Well, hey, that's part of it. There is a tears that God will gather up in the bottle. (laughs) Amen. But be drunk with the Holy Ghost. And then he tells you how. Speak these seven songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The point is, what is, I'm giving you this as a hint. A hint to what is it going to take to cooperate in the Holy Ghost. Be totally under his control. That's the point. Don't just have the water up to your ankle or to your knees or to your, or, or to your waist but let it be above your head so you have no other choice but to float and to swim and go wherever the tide takes you. Can you see what I'm saying? Amen? That's the picture. So it tells me then that the hint is if you could be so filled and consumed and saturated with the Holy Ghost, man, you cooperate with him. <laughs> Wouldn't you say? So so now the question becomes, well, what are the keys to get me to that point to be filled? Amen? So let me rattle out a few of them. Number one, hunger. The Bible says we have to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Paul in Philippians chapter 3 says, look, even the things that were gained to me, I count them all but lost. All I want to do is to win Christ. All I want to do is to be found in him. And because it is such that the only way I'm going to be found in him and, and have that intimate relationship and knowledge of him, the only way this is going to be, it is necessary for me to be conformed even unto his death and to have fellowship with his suffering. This way I can know him, the power of his resurrection, and even live that life, that resurrected life, while I'm still here on this earth in this body. He says, I am so hungry. I have such a desire for God that here is how I feel about it. God apprehended me for this purpose to reveal his son in me and that I might be filled with the fullness of Christ and I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to back up. I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to withdraw until I get to that place where I apprehend that for which he has apprehended me. Until I get to that place where I am so consumed with Christ and I'm filled with all of his fullness. He said, that's what I'm after. I am that's my that is the mark I'm pressing to. I'm pressing to that mark where I'm so consumed, I'm so saturated and filled with, with, with the fullness of Christ. And I have and then I get the reward from it. And in first Peter, first second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 2 to 5, he says, That reward is for me to be clothed with my house that is from heaven, which is the Holy Ghost, to be clothed with the Holy Ghost. Amen? That was one of the reasons why God got a hold of me. It says in Second um, Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 5, regarding this house to be clothed with from heaven, it says, Now he that had wrought us for this very same thing, he that had fashioned us and prepared us and made us fit through the shed blood of Jesus. For this very same thing is God. God has made us ready for this. For this very same thing is God who had given us the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, as a guarantee and a fulfillment of his promise. Amen? So there's, number one, there's that, there's that hunger. There's that hunger for righteousness. Remember, it's not just any hunger. Right? Any hunger will not do. It's dangerous. Right? Alright? People get hungry and they get desperate, mm-hmm. Alright? Right? You ever yeah. seen little kids? Today little kids play with iPads and they, they know all these other stuff. When you and I were young, we used to eat dirt. Mutters. Amen. Little kids back then, I mean, right? eating mud. That's right, Isn't that right? Now today they play with iPads. Uh, <laughs> yeah. all right? When you get hungry, man, you eat some stuff you shouldn't be eating. To make sure you're hungry for the Holy Ghost <laughs> and for righteousness. Amen. <laughs> Number two, there needs to be a relentless pursuit. Paul says, I'm pressing for the mark, for that prize of the high calling of God in Christ. There's got to be something in you that is a press, And in that press, don't forget, there's resistance. Amen. And you cannot let the resistance push you back. They that, they that pursue righteousness... The Bible says they that live godly in Christ and they pursue righteousness, they suffer what? Persecution. Yeah. Amen? Death mm-hmm. worketh within them. Hallelujah. I want to, I need to throw this scripture in there. Isaiah 51 verse 1, which says, um, this, this, anyway, Isaiah 51 verse 1, Hearken to me, you that follow after righteousness. Are you following after righteousness? Is this what you want? Yes. You that seek the Lord. Well, those that follow up the righteousness, there's a seeking of the Lord that is involved. Yes. And then it says what you need to do is look to the rock from whence you were hemmed out. Yes. That rock is Christ. Yes. Amen. Yes. Look to that rock. Look to that rock. Look to that rock. Look to that sacrifice. That's where you came out of. He placed you in him. <coughs> And you were raised up with him. That is why you need to look to that sacrifice. See yourself crucified. See the old man buried. See yourself resurrected. See yourself sitting at the Father's right hand. See yourself washed by the blood of Jesus. And having the authority of that new covenant. And everything that comes in the blood. See yourself having the very life of Christ. And having the authority in the name of Jesus. See yourself having that divine nature. And the very keys and promises to which to draw it out. See yourself that way. Amen. See yourself as hemmed out. Of that rock. Hallelujah. So there need to be that's pursuit. Number three, there need to be this continual awareness. All right? A continual awareness of what? Of your righteousness. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 9 says, uh, second Peter chapter 1, reading from verse 1, it says, We have received like precious faith through the righteousness of God. And then in verse 2, um, and, and, and grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of. Of him and of Jesus the Lord who has given unto you all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him and has given you great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in this world and it was talking about who you are and what you have and then it says now after you and then now, now I'm gonna paraphrase it says now be diligent be diligent Add to your faith love. Add to that kindness. Add to it. That's what it was. Because they're going, going to say, if you don't forget, you're not going to stumble. It everyone won't be able to trip you up. And you're not going to be offended, etc. etc. Et he said, but if you, lack, if you lack these things, and you're stumbling around, and you're blind, and you can't see afar off, revelation, all that certain things aren't happening in a way that should. It is for this reason. You have forgotten that you are cleansed from your sins. Yep. Let's put it differently. You have forgotten... That you are now righteous. You have lost sight and the conscious awareness of the fact that you are righteous and you have the life of Christ and you are one with Him and all that comes with righteousness. You have forgotten that. And He says, But if you would remember that, right, you will not stumble, you will not fall. Not only, and if you be diligent about it, He says, there will be a glorious entrance that would be afforded to you, that would be available to you to enter into the kingdom of God. And Peter said, you know, I'll tell you something. I'm not going to be here very long. This is Second Peter. I'm running out of time now. <laughs> All right. But for as long as the rest of the time that I got here, I will continue to remind you and stir you up by means of remembering so that this stuff that I'm telling you might be the forefront of your thinking. You are righteous. Don't you ever forget that. Paul said in 1 Peter chapter 15, awake to that righteousness. Have that consciousness of it. And then he says, "And being awake to this righteousness, you're going to have to watch the company you keep. Because the company you keep can rob you of your righteousness. Of your righteousness consciousness. Okay. And the company that you keep the most is yourself. is <laughs> your thought process. Mm-hmm. These thoughts go with you wherever you are. Amen? So watch how you think. How should you think? You should think with a conscience that has been purged by blood from every dead work. Purged from any trust in anything else other than the finished work of Christ. And Paul said in, in Acts 24 verse 16, I exercise myself continually, often. I exercise myself to maintain that type of conscience we're keeping a conscience that is pure, a conscience that is sensitive, a conscience purged by the blood. And quite frankly, if I were to pass forward in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, we've talked about this in the past, it's worth repeating. But in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, it talks about a conscience that has been literally born out of resurrection. Amen. When that new man came up, right? Man, he had a consciousness about him. That I'm one with God. He had a righteousness consciousness, and you have to now be. What is the word? Not conscientious. Anyway, you have to keep bringing things in your life and in your mind to be in line with this conscience that is born out of resurrection. In other words, with this, you gotta work at this because there's things constantly pulling you to guilt. Pulling you to condemnation, pulling you to this inferiority complexes and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. and that's the fight of faith, mm-hmm. amen. Yes. But you see, if you do, when you have that kind of consciousness, number one, first of all, it also makes you sensitive to the voice and to the leading of the Spirit. Right. I, I want to finish this. Let me just say a couple of other things. So, and even to develop this awareness, point number four, you're going to have to come up higher. Come up higher in your prayer life. Come up higher in fasting. The number one reason for fasting is to bring you to a place where you would be more sensitive to spiritual things and the voice of the flesh can be quiet. Amen? Amen? Because the voice of the flesh talks too loud. Jesus said this kind of unbelief, sometimes you can only deal with it by fasting and prayer. This kind of unbelief that screams, right? That vomits. Right? That, that make these weird sounds this kind of, these, this kind of repetitive pains and, and discomforts and stuff the, 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 these long continuous stuff that is there that have such a voice that you're believing what you're seeing and feeling in the natural more than what is already done in the spirit he says sometimes in order to break that kind of unbelief he's going to take fasting and prayer that's what he told his disciples in Matthew chapter 17 and I think verse 21 is it not? so you got to come up higher it says in Revelation 4, verse 1, come up higher and I'll show you things to come. So, I mean, you've got to come up higher in order to see what he sees. Amen? And therefore, there's a need to come up higher in prayer, the need to come up higher in, 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 um, in your worship, in your seeking, in your pursuing God, in fasting. Come up higher. And if I could add this, come up higher in your praying in towns. And I believe, if the, as the Lord will, I want to be going to head in that direction because there are some, there's some areas that, remember the word I said, unction? Right now I could stop praying in the Holy Ghost and tell Katabaya. but a lot of that there is, I'm initiating it. Amen? But if I could press in there long enough, the Holy Ghost could come along and give me an unction to pray in tongues. And when he does, it's still me talking. Right, it's still my mouth, it's still my. But, at, but now he takes over. Amen. And then when he takes over, it's effortless. Okay. Right, then the thing, oh, oh, have you ever been praying in tongues and you're praying, you're praying? Oh, it's only five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had that happen? That's because a lot of it was you. And I'm not saying that's wrong. Right? But let, the, let an unction come. Okay. Right? And it's another story. And they see, we need to learn to operate in that arena where we can be moved over into some other areas and come up higher. And I, I, I feel very strongly about this because, I mean, from all that we are teaching, we are right here now. We are right here now where we can talk about some of this stuff. Amen? But we're not going to do it now. Okay. Number who? Five? <laughs> this here, the personal presence of God. And I, there is a place where the Holy Ghost lives on the inside of you. Do you know that? Mm-hmm. Do you know where it is? Is it, is it here? 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 It's right between the second and third button. He lives above here. That's where he lives. Right now, right? You need to develop. We're talking. We start talking about this consciousness. You need to develop. Uh, An awareness of your personal presence with God. A place where you and Him, you know, we say about it as a secret place, what is the word? It's here. You got to know where it is. You see, when you know where it is, and praying in tongues will build you up in that consciousness. When you know where it is, and you're looking for answers, you know where to listen. Amen. Amen? It's like if there's some folks on the other side of the room, there. You, you, I mean, you want to hear their conversation. I think, I think, I don't know if this works. You get a glass and you put it on the, on the wall. All right? Oh, right? Isn't that right? Well, it's kind of like that, but you're learning, to, you know where to listen. Paul called it in Acts chapter 15 and I think verse 25 and verse 28. He says, it seems right to me and to the Holy Ghost. He said, seems right. There's just something inside of me. I just know that. In developing the consciousness in that place um, David said in Psalms 16 verse 18 um, he said um, I have set the Lord always before me. He's at my right hand and I shall not be moved. And that's the passage that is going to go on to say in his presence there is fullness of joy in verse 11. And it is right hand their precious forevermore. And so there is a, and to develop the consciousness of this here there's a couple of things. Spring in tongues is one of them. Another one that is very important is being still and knowing that He is God. Shut everything and everyone out completely. If you're having difficulty with it, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and sever, sever every negative atmosphere. What am I gonna eat? What am I gonna I'll just cut it all off right now by faith with the word of the living God. And learn to be quiet in his presence. And this is where you know, they say all oh, man this is where you pray in tongues. That quiet. Well, there's a place to pray high, but it, this is where you push it so that you could, you could kind of put in your ears here. You follow me? Right? I can tell you many times I come here, Sunday night, I, I, I'm thinking, how can I repackage this morning's message? <laughs> I don't want them to hear exactly the same in the morning, you know what I mean? And some of asked ask, said, God, is this pride? Because if it's pride, then I'll preach exactly the way I preach in the morning, word for word. If that's... <laughs> But what I mean is, i, I, I know I'll be there at the back, and that's what I like. I, I love being here. There's a freedom that I have. Right? If I say something bad, it's, you know, it's not on Facebook somewhere. But I could be here and I could be just in there or whatever it is, during the praise and worship and just before I come up, and I'm asking God, where do I start? What do you want me to do? How should I pray about this? Sometimes, and most of the times, I would get a sense where to go. But where did that come from? Is it come from me flipping the Bible? has anybody ever done that (laughs) it didn't come that way it comes from learning where this personal presence is PPG personal presence of God (laughs) knowing where it is and knowing where to listen and sometimes being able to pray quietly in tongues so you can hear developing in that again another practical thing is praising God the reason why, I mean, it's praising God with everybody else, which is fine. And many times I might be back there, and I'll be praising the Lord. They no say that. Well, no, that's not praising tongue." Sorry. Anyway, what I mean, I'll enter to the praise and worship and so on and so forth. Why? Because in that place is where you begin to, to find tune that and develop that. That is why Paul said, in, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. How? Speaking. To who? To yourself. yourself. Of course to God as well. Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. It also includes meditating on the word, pondering it. Amen? So it becomes necessary for you to develop your own personal praise life. Amen? Whether it be because you have to play some tapes in the background... Already be, you make up your own stuff, whatever the case is. Giving thanks unto his name, offering up the fruit of your lips, giving thanks unto his name. The sacrifice of praise. All of that is connected with developing that personal presence. Amen. All right, number six. Don't leak. If you want to stay filled, you don't want to leak. It's double work. <laughs> How do you not leak? Number one is, is you got to don't, 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 don't. Shut the flesh down. And one of the ways of doing that is guard your heart with all diligence. right? Don't allow strife. Don't allow bitterness. Don't allow resentment. Don't allow these things. Deal with it. Get rid of it. Right? Reckon yourself to be dead indeed, and so on and so forth. Stay in the spirit. And again, to stay in the spirit, you've got to stay as who you are. You've got to operate as who you are. You've got to recognize in the midst of all the storms who's living on the inside of you. It's Jesus, the one that defeated the hell death, the grave that defeated the devil out there in that wilderness in 40 days. When, they, when the children of Israel, the devil took them around and overcome them in that wilderness for 40 years. Yeah. And what the devil did with them for 40 years, Jesus went and fixed it in 40 days. Who is greater? Amen. And that's the one that lives on the inside of us. You got to know that. Amen? Hallelujah. And then number seven, right, which is, I was saying, don't leak. Align your conscience. Okay. Number seven, which is the issue of, of practicing crucifixion. Waking up just like Paul says, Man, look, today I die daily. I ain't today. I'm going to just press in. For me to live as Christ, die again. You got you to gotta believe the reality of crucifixion. Because this is how faith works. You got to believe it. You've got to believe I'm crucified with Him. You've got to believe that, know that, and then you got to speak that. The Preaching of the cross is the power. You gotta speak it. And then number three, you gotta act on it as much as it's possible. Amen. And acting on it includes the attitudes. The Bible says when you order your conversation, right, <coughs> Salvation, deliverance. Right? Philippians 1, 27. Let your conversation be as it what? Becoming the gospel. Let your conversation, let your speaking, your thinking, your actions, your attitudes, which is your faith. Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel as it is consistent with the gospel which is Christ in you. Amen? So that is what it's all about. And in conclusion, you got to do these things. You've got to do it. If you don't do it, it doesn't profit you. And, and I'll tell you something about doing stuff. You can decide, you can recognize, uh-huh, I need a fixture, I need this, Um. blah, 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 and you check your notes, and here are the seven... Um, you know hunger, um, relentless pursuit, etc., etc., etc. Practicing the presence of God, a personal presence, coming up high in prayer, and in fasting, and and, and praying more in tongues, etc. But but that's not good enough. You need to recognize you have to have a plan of action. Without a plan of action, there's a ninety percent chance. Not gonna happen. I just made up 90%. Maybe it's 95 <laughs> right. I don't know. But you gotta have a plan of action. You gotta decide, well, all right, this is how I'm gonna go to sleep at night. This is how I'm gonna wake up. Maybe this is what I'm gonna do while I'm showering, all right? Maybe I'm just gonna spend 10 minutes more doing so, 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 praying in tongues more intensely. Maybe I'm gonna spend the night praying in tongues really quiet, not falling asleep, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you go praying it tongues too quiet, you could fall asleep. <laughs> but praying in tongues alert but quiet, just so that I could focus on, 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 on my spirit here. Amen? And especially if I've got some questions for God. Amen? Learning to be still and know. You've got to make plans. You've got to make a plan to implement these things. You might decide you're going to fast once a month, once a week. You might decide that this is your fast day, whatever the case But you've got to make a plan. You've got to have a plan of action. If you don't have a plan of action, the Bible says be careful. Less, having such a great salvation, having such wonderful truth to work with, these things slip. Mm-hmm. Amen? Yeah. These things slip away. Because that's how the enemy works. Mm-hmm. Amen? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So write out your action plan and then next week we will share it. <laughs> But we're going to have to blend. Okay, and you're going to share first.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. God is so beautiful. And He's so good. Amen. I'm sharing a testimony to the glory of God. Amen. Um, I know it's about maybe six weeks ago. Six weeks ago. or I mean Maybe. I may even push it back and say seven weeks ago. Seven weeks ago, um, one day in particular, I remembered coming back from work, and then I was having this itchiness on my right breast. And then a uh, few days after, uh, I noticed that it was like a lump in my right breast. And then uh, maybe a day or, like the first day I saw it, I know I right away, you know, I cast the root of it. I, I used scriptures, I bound it, and and everything, Believing God that it will be gone. But then I think a few days after I can feel that the thing is painful and the lump is getting bigger. So five weeks ago I came to church and then I told pastor and then he agreed with me and then we prayed. And then the Wednesday that same week, um, the other church that meets in our premises, they have guest ministers coming to uh, preach that Wednesday. So I, I went to that service, and then I just went forward and asked the minister to, you know, I said, I need prayer for my help, and then I asked prayer for another thing. So he, was, he prayed for me, and then when he prayed, it's interesting that, uh, to me that I didn't say anything like pray for this or that, but then when he, he was praying for me, he said, I take authority over the spirit of cancer, you know, he took authority over it. And then also, pastor and I have I prayed over the Sunday, you know, taking authority over that. So, and then I went home all week. Uh, I stood on scriptures like Second Peter two twenty four. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. That we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by his stripes we are healed. I was quoting that scripture every, I mean, as many times as I can think of. I don't know whether hundred times in a day or what, but I was constantly saying it. And then some other things I did also was that I did some fasting. Uh, I, I anoint my body with uh, oil. I have anointed oil at home, even in my purse. So I anoint my oil. I anoint my body every day. I took communion also as often as. Uh, as I, I, I have time to do, I took communion. I took communion and I'll read the scriptures, you know, where Jesus, uh, when he, the last supper, the things that Jesus did with his disciples. So I was doing all these things. I remembered one particular Saturday morning, I woke up and then I was in Deuteronomy 28 and then reading verses uh, 1 to 14. I, I read it so prayerfully. I read it... Um, I read it. That's that's the, just the, that's the way I'll I'll put it. I read it prayerfully, in the sense that I took those verses and I I pray them and I pray them with everything in me. And every every second I get, you know, I'll quote Isaiah fifty three and and I use the scriptures. So I stood on the scriptures. I stood on um, by the leading of the Holy Spirit. I did. Everything that I know I should be doing, you know, to combat what my body is dictating to me. Because I know that this healing, Jesus paid for it 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross. He bore all my sins and my sicknesses and my diseases. It was paid for in full. And that lump has no right to be in my body. It has to go. So I just stood on the word, prayer. And thank God for brethren that were praying for me. And so I give glory to God that in a few days, I think that same week, I noticed that, um, I noticed that I wasn't feeling because, you know, with this, uh, with I, I, one thing I, I would give glory to God for was that I didn't have any fear. Whether it, whatever was happening in my body was, was cancer or not, I didn't have that fear in me at all i didn't have it in the beginning so none of even my family members know anything about it because i didn't want anybody to uh suggest any fear to me or maybe you should go to the hospital have a check and, and 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 on and on and on and on. i didn't want to hear any of that i just wanted to believe god for the healing and stand on his way because i know it is the children's bread healing is the children's bread and we can partake of it. And these things also, the the Holy, I mean, Jesus has provided it for us, you know. So it is for us, and the Holy Spirit is here to help us to take hold of it, you know. So I just thank God that um, by his goodness, he healed me. And I am free of that sentence. I'm free to his glory and to his praise. So. I give praise to God for this healing. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, in the morning service, you mm-hmm. mentioned something which is really touched me when you mm-hmm. said about how you activated the life of God inside of you, like releasing. You were a be aware. Yes. Um, I was saying that um, this healing, you know, is in our... Like our spirit man is perfect. is complete. It's in the soulish realm that... We are working together where to renew our minds in this area so I was saying that the healing is already in my spirit and I have to just draw it out with faith you know to bring it out into my body where the healing is needed at this time so I just draw drawing it out of my spirit into my body for, for the manifestation you see the reason
0: why I, I, this testimony is so important is because um, I, I find that the, 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 with believers sometimes even in our circle they don't know how to fight they don't know how to how, how to fight for the healing they, they have to wait for you know some big name minister operating some particular gifts when in fact we have all the healing and it's just a matter of how, how do I get it out and the fact of the matter that you can if you just do certain things there was a phrase you used that you that you that you used that you mentioned to me not this morning but before um, choking. Yes. Talk about that for a moment okay. because I want people to ca- I want everyone to catch the spirit yeah. of what it takes to get this result.
1: I, I remembered um, some time when Pastor was talking about uh, healing. I think that was few few weeks ago, yeah, or maybe a few months ago. He was teaching on healing, and one of the phrases he used was he says choking. You know, choking the that sickness or that disease. You know, you choke it with the word. And I even remembered sitting in church that morning. The, just the way he uttered. You know, I thought it was funny. He says, "You just choke it." You know, by its roots. Yes. So uh, and so some of these things. Some of some of this. Scriptures or some of these things came to my mind, you know, when I I was reciting these scriptures over my body constantly. You know, I was just trying to tell you have no right to be in my body. This is the temple of the Holy Ghost, you know, and by His stripes and I'm healed. I am healed by by the by the stripes. I am healed. So I just keep constantly, you know, uh, so that's it. Constantly choking the the the, the sickness with the word. With the word, yeah, and then God is, what is good. It? what about
0: the evidence? Is there evidence of healing?
1: There is evidence of healing because in my, in my right breast right now there is nothing. There is nothing. The, the The pain is gone because to 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 the way the reason why I know the pain is gone was that. That first, that Sunday when I, was, when I asked pastor to, to pray for me or when I told him, I was not only feeling the pain, but I was also feeling, you know how when you are sick, you can feel it even in your body, you know, you can feel the tiredness, you can feel the symptoms in your throat, in your body, you know, you just, you just don't feel right, you know, and, and I don't have those symptoms anymore. I don't have any of those symptoms anymore, praise God.
0: Amen. Thank you. Praise God. Amen. But th- that issue of the fighting, I remember, um, for those of you who, who don't, don't exactly know, but back in 2010, right, I was an, went up a ladder. It was my fault. I made a mistake. I missed God and so on. The ladder was slipping under me. And, um, and so the ladder came down. My feet got caught between you know, those rungs yep. while the ladder is still moving. It was all concrete. And so it broke my leg and shattered, and it broke it badly, where the bone was sticking out to the side and stuff, right? Real g- gross, like if you just came back from Afghanistan or something like that, the war zone, and I mean, it was bad. It was ugly and, and everything else, and, and it was sticking out, etc. And they, and So the, uh, they went and they put it back together as best as they can, but because of how it broke, it had shattered you know, the bone in between it got shattered. It wasn't like a clean break. Mm-hmm. And because it was shattered, they had to clean all that bone out. You know what I mean? And in cleaning all of the bone out, let's I mean, just, just put the button on. You can help. Okay, anyway, so in cleaning all the bone out, that way it was shattered, it meant there was a gap like this in my foot. Well, you're not supposed to walk on a foot if you have a gap like that. You know what I mean? So that's what it was. Yeah. And so, um, and they, they put, uh, they, had, they had three plates, they had three plates in my foot, and about 30 something screws, right? I mean lots of screws and lots of staples, I mean like really, okay. And that was on the 10th of um, um, October, 2000, was the 10th or the 9th of October 2010. Then what happened, because of all the hardware inside, it also became infected. Right? And um, it, it became infected, and I'm um, going to skip the funny part. It became infected, and so they decided, well, first, whatever they did medication-wise, they didn't, it, it slowed down, but it didn't stop the infection. So they decided they need to go back in and do a second surgery, right? And um, because the skin here, I can't remember the word for it, but there wasn't any meat at all. There was no substance there to hold anything in place. So they decided they need to do a skin graft to cover that area. right? And then after that, in the meantime, there's still a gap in the bone. And then once they do that, and that was scheduled to be a seven and a half hour surgery, then they were going to do a third surgery at another time where they were going to get some bone from my hip over here, like probably around this part, get some bone from my hip and then fill up the gap inside and hope it fuses. There There was another option, they said, which was to amputate. Right. Anyway, so, so and then and then if that third operation didn't work, then who knows? I see all of that to say this: the way we battle over that particular thing, I just did everything. I mean, if a minister was in town, yeah, pray for me. I mean, if we were having a service, like I, I, I remember one time we have a, had a service in the location we were in, and the Holy Ghost was like, you know, there was that, you know, there was that anointing in the place. And I, and I remember I didn't get prayer. And I thought, oh, man, that could have been a chance. But if I was in a service and the Holy Ghost is moving in some way, man, pray. At home, communion. Oil. I saw something in some medical report that had to do with some imaging. right? I took a picture because I thought it was very scriptural. I had a picture of my good leg. And I put a picture of the one with all the damage right next to it. Next to each other, and I start calling the bad leg good, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, and I—I I mean, we did all of that: prayer, fasting, confession, declaring. I got scriptures which I should have had before I broke my leg, and just anybody need it. None of his bones were broken. You could take that if I had had that, I would probably never broke my leg. But anyway, I took scriptures, etc. But the point is, I kept pick up doing all kinds of stuff, which is the fight. In the name of Jesus, I commend you bone. You refuse in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for divine healing power flowing in my foot, etc., etc. All right. On May the 26th, 2011, this is when they had this surgery that was going to do the skin grafting and stuff, as well as cleaning out infection, and then later on the bone thing. When we went in, the surgery it was supposed to be seven and a half hours. Went in. Okay, I should say this. Uh, before about a week or so before the surgery, they had what they call a pre-op, right? And they do the X-rays, and you know, and they had a great doctor, and he would look at the thing, and he would just, you know what I mean? <laughs> Nothing has changed. His gap is still there, okay. right? And I'm and I went in the surgery a week later. It supposed to be seven and a half hours. He went in I think it Took how long? They took. Well, how long did it take? Yeah, Right, something like that?
1: What? How much? Less than five. Less than five. Right? Less than
0: five. And uh, because I had to take skin, graphics, fix yeah. bone, take stuff out, yeah. take all that metal out, do this, do that, yeah. and all of that. And then my wife was praying in some room, right? And they came to her during the time and told her, what did they tell you? We
1: don't know what happened. The fruit didn't need a, well, the, kind of fell there, and they didn't need right. the... Thing to think, like something simple, but and they,
0: it's so. And it fused back, and that's, and
1: that's they, it. And did, I'm sorry. Did they remove all the thirty screws? There's no
0: screws, the, the screws. No screws. No metal. No plate. All, nothing. There's nothing inside my foot right. whatsoever. Right. Nothing right. whatsoever. Right. And and I mean this this is was absolutely, absolutely impossible. And that gap is filled, yeah, right. right? But the point is, the point is, what did they take? Right? It's sometimes you have to battle. Yeah. And you've got to be in a place where, I don't, whatever happens, I know that I have all the healing that I could ever need in my spirit. And it's just a matter of how do I draw it out into my body. Yeah. Right? And, and quite frankly, at the time when that happened, and a revelation that I got later on in 2013 and so on, which is your body is life because of righteousness, your spirit is life, it's pregnant with divine health. Because of that fusion and that oneness with Christ, Romans eight ten, and then Romans eight eleven says, and if this and the same Spirit will quicken your mortal body, meaning here is the Spirit pregnant with divine health, and um, once you believe that and so on and so forth, then the Holy Ghost pulls that power out of your spirit and quickens your body with it, Amen, and quicken wherever it is needed. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. So this stuff is real. I just
1: want to say something that happened this week. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of fear of the mask the mask of my mind.